Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of History Creeps. I am one of your co-hosts. This is Chris Chavez, and I'm with you with the two other creepers in this group. Say hello, Carter Johnson and Johnny Townsend. Hello, Carter Johnson. Hello, Carter Johnson. (laughs) And hello, Johnny Townsend. And just so you all know, um, I have just went to the restroom and I feel great now. Just thought that was important to say. Just push the pizza box to the side. Yeah, push my pizza box. That I <laughs> soon only. Patre- hey, I heard something. Is that you up there? Come soon on, only man. patrons are going to know what that is. <laughs> Speaking of Patreon, Chris, I'm Ooh. glad you said that. What's up, dude? What's going on with Patreon, man? Oh, you okay? I guess I'll do it. <laughs> oh. I thought I was setting you up uh, brilliantly, may I add, but that's okay. Um, okay, so, yeah, go ahead. We, we're going to do, uh, for History Creeps, a Patreon. We're going to start one soon, and uh, that's just a way uh, to show some love and support to us. Uh, the show itself will still and will always be free. But, Chris, if you decide to uh, subscribe to us, what are the tiers, and what do you get, sir? Oh, well then. Uh, Yeah, we've been talking about this for a while, wanting to do a Patreon, so we decided to put it together, and we came up with three things we thought a lot of the listeners would get into. Uh, We have a lot of interactive listeners. Uh, I I do a few podcasts, and this is the one where I have the most interaction with our listeners, so uh, we thought we'd do something where it would get a lot of you guys involved. So we're going to only have three tiers, and they'll be pretty cheap. If you can afford it, awesome. If not, it's okay. Don't feel bad. You can still listen to our show. Uh, however, the three tiers we're going to offer are $1, $3, and $5. Uh, if you don't know how Patreon works, basically you sign up for a monthly subscription under one of these tiers and you get whatever the uh, goodies are that are promised under that tier monthly. Uh, we'll produce and, them for you. And it's important to say you can cancel at any time. Uh, I, don't, I didn't want to tell them that. Now i got to cut that out. Oh, oh dang it. <laughs> I don't want them to know they can cancel. <laughs> I want them to feel like they're stuck for life, dude. Creeper yeah. for life. <laughs> To see bikers going down the street, their their leather vest, the back creeper for life. That's my goal right there. Biker club. I like it. Um, (laughs) Biker creepers. (laughs) No, but yeah, so we're going to do what we're doing is we're creating. um, It's to me, I thought it was kind of cool because. Do you remember like reading, uh, getting into comic books back in the day, or where you'd sign up for like memberships? Like Marvel used to have that membership club where you'd you'd sign up and you'd get your your mighty Marvel card, uh, or there's all kinds of stuff you could always sign up for, get a membership card for. And I thought it'd be kind of cool to have a club uh, for us history creepers, the people that are into the show, are into history and the weird, creepy things, um, just basically the stuff that we talk about. And so we're creating the Creepers Club. And the Creepers Club comes along uh, as a part of Patreon. So when you pay a dollar, you get into a Creepers Club. You pay a dollar a month, you'll get a membership card that comes to you. It makes you an official Creeper. Uh, It'll be hand-numbered and awesomely laminated, uh, as Johnny was so (laughs) excited to hear about. (laughs) Um, So you'll get a a membership card to the Creepers Club. And you'll also get a shout-out at the end of every episode, uh, basically as a thank you for helping uh, produce the show. You'll be basically kind of titled as accredited as a co-producer of the show. Um, The second tier we're offering is a $3 tier. And in this one, uh, I'm blanking now. Remind me. What what were we doing, guys? What was this one? The content. 
oh, the content. They get extra content. So a lot of times before we record our episodes, we warm up and have conversations. It can go anywhere between 10 minutes to we've really recorded about 35, 40 minutes before recording an episode before. Uh, so all that stuff usually gets cut off and is set off to the side in a side folder I have at some point in which I'll release you know, fun little tidbits here and there. But now we're going to use that for Patreon. So if you pay $3, you'll get the membership, you'll get the card, you're in, you get a shout out at the end of the show. But you also will get access to a uh, month. Are we doing this monthly? We're putting out one file a month, right? Correct, sir. We'll put out yep. a recording a month. You'll either get uh, stuff that we talked about before recording, uh, maybe after recording, or you might get some specially produced um, sketches, uh, special episodes. Whatever it is, you'll we, get we an have, extra yeah, recording. Yeah, we have some ideas brewing. Oh, there's so much fun stuff brewing. But you'll get an extra recording every month uh, from either Johnny, Carter, myself all together, uh, mixing it up as duos, who knows, solos. You'll get something from one of us uh, for that month. $3 gets you that. $5 will get you all of that. Plus, uh, we decided we're going to change up how we do history creeps. We put one episode um, uh, out every two weeks. Uh, and usually it's one we, we each come with a topic. We decided what we'll do is we'll do one week we'll do where one of us comes with a topic. Uh, the next time we get together, it's going to be a roundtable discussion. And so if you pay $5 a month, you get the membership stuff, you get the extra audio, and uh, we're going to put up for votes what will be the roundtable uh, topics. And you guys can vote on what you guys want to hear for the roundtable for the month. And scene. <laughs> Sweet. That's it, man. That's our Patreon. Yep. That's our the three things we're giving away. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping a lot of people get in at least on the Creeper Club uh, level just because I want to send out a bunch of membership cards. and It would be kind of cool to know that we have a, a, a club out there. You know what I mean? A club, a club group. Oh, I'm all for it, yeah. When I was a kid, I was a member of the Burger King Kids Club, and that was the greatest time of my life. Now, did you have a so. membership card for it? I sure did. Do you see what I'm I saying? I sure did. See, that's what I'm talking about. It was, and I'm fun. fairly certain it was laminated. Yeah, I was a junior <laughs> Ghostbuster and a member of the Kiss Army. So. Oh man, and membership <laughs> cards for both, right? Oh yeah. See what I'm saying, man? I love. That it. was the only thing I had in my wallet, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. You're taking your wife out for dinner, and they're like, uh, "How you want to pay?" You're like, "You take the uh, Ghostbusters Ghostbusters membership card." Uh, the only thing else I got that's, that'll scan is a library card. I like it. You said ghost bumpers at first that was, before you corrected right? yourself. <laughs> uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ghost bumpers. It's gonna be great. ghost bumpers. I'm already tripping over my words, yeah. and I'm the one presenting tonight. It's gonna be fun. Who are you gonna call when you don't want to throw a gutter ball bowling? Ghost, ghost bumpers. bumpers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. That's my last joke of the evening. And we're and we're off. <laughs> and that's it. See you guys uh, later. So yeah, so that's the cool big announcement. We've got a Patreon. So guys, look out for it. Actually, by the time you're listening to this, it'll probably be up and running, but you'll see it announced on our uh, Facebook page. So check it out, History Creeps Podcast on Facebook. Uh, and it'll be out there. Creepers Club is coming. <sighs> and there's also, Chris didn't mention this, and I also haven't told him this yet. But uh, there's another tier that's a hundred dollar tier, but all that money goes to me, and I just go blow it on whatever I want to blow it on. I feel so. like if somebody wants to pay a hundred dollars a month, you you should do something seriously, like meet them for dinner or lunch at some point. If somebody's going to pay me a hundred dollars a month to hear my stupid ramblings, I will. I've in least. person. <laughs> I will You're meet going- them in person. 
and if you're going to Cherokee to blow that money, you better call me, man. Hey, does, I'm, all I'm saying is, if you're going to spend a hundred dollars on me a month, I'm I promise I will stalk you. Does Patreon there. does Patreon have like one time things? You know what I mean? Like if somebody pays a one time thing for the month, uh, they could do maybe we do a that we get them in on a show. Like they call in through Skype and they're part of the show. It well, probably never, does. Yeah, I w- I would assume you can. Well, since you can. Do that thing you don't want me to say. You can cancel it any time. You can literally just <laughs> go for one month and just cancel it. <laughs> but you better remember, if you only want to do it once, that you need to cancel it or it's going to take it out of your bank account. <laughs> um, no, but I'm, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I'm thinking, I wonder if they do that, if they have like a, like stretch stretch payments or some, something where you get a one-time yeah. thing only. And we could have them in on a call or or we do a huge group call of all the people that paid it and maybe have like lunch with the history creepers and we all do like video chat. Oh, oh yeah. With sandwiches. What, with that's sandwiches. What people, yeah, that's we what literally sit here and, my face. We sit here and eat <laughs> <laughs> and talk with our mouths yeah. full. Yeah, I'll sit here and feed my face in front of them how about we don't even talk to them like we give them access to see the video and all they do they're watching us eat that's it nobody talks nobody says a word we just no, eat in just front sit we down, just eat and they can watch us eat and as soon as you're done you turn off the feed yeah. don't even acknowledge you're being recorded two thousand dollars yeah two thousand dollars for that yeah that's all that cost and you get all they're, all they're gonna hear is me watching civil war you know i can't tony he's my friend so was i <laughs> that's all that's all it's gonna be you know the sound of me chewing and watching civil yeah. war I side, you note, Ghostbusters. side note side note that's one of my favorite lines in that movie i know right seriously it's so, it's so perfect nice well i just want to say real quick Carter and I aren't even good enough to get these creeper uh, club cards so this is a real privilege for anybody who wants to uh, join in on the fun join the club and get those cards because chris already told me and Carter, that we could just shove those cards up our butt because he wasn't going to send them to us. <laughs> it's pretty rude. And I mean, that's how he told us, hey, today. That's how he said, hey, as his first words, <laughs> shove us up your butt. <laughs> and I'm cleaning that up, by the way. <laughs> it's disgusting. And you know, if it's laminated, it's going to like hurt even worse. It's going to cut and everything. Yowzers. Yeah. Well, I do, I do have a little piece of, of news, Ser- like serious news, not I'm joking. Cool. Uh, my daughter has started saying dada. Oh, there we go. Right? Right? That's awesome. That's very awesome. I'll insert applause there. (laughs) There we go. I I can make my own. It's cool. Golf clap. Golf clap. I also have news. Uh, my daughter has also begun to say Dada, which is strange considering I don't have any kids. So, Do you live I, near a graveyard? I could be haunted right now. I don't know. <laughs> I'm now officially a ghost bumper hunter. Bumpers. <laughs> Those are like the guys that are really bad ghostbusters. You know, knocking in everything. Ghost bumpers, yeah. They're always banging in the stuff because they're really clumsy. Ghost bumpers. The official handshake is a fist bump, the ghost bump. Oh, I like that. There you go. So, this Dude, is a great. You're onto something here. Yeah, trademark. yeah. You're trademark. onto trademark. something. Here. Trademark. That's all we are is just trademarks. <laughs> Raw and uncut. Cut. 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 <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, um, let's get this train back on track. What are we doing today? Okay. We've got, so that's it for news updates. Nothing else, right, guys? Correct, oh. sir. All right. We're getting into it, guys. Sit back because uh, this is Sit kind back. of. This, Relax. Yeah, this is kind of a current creep because, um, as you were pointing out, Johnny, this is the most current of creeps that we're doing, aside from when we did the roundtable of the Pentagon UFO story that broke a few uh, last month. Um, this one takes place in 2014. When I brought it up, you guys were both like, I can't believe we haven't done this yet because this is actually a very, very interesting case. I have brought it up in the past in terms of uh, I've had some requests to do this episode, so here we go. You guys ready to talk about Malaysian Air Flight 370? Yes, I, because I can never remember the flight number. I always remember it's just a Malaysian Airlines flight. Well, here we go, man. Same here. Um, you guys have both flown on a plane before? Yes. Uh, begrudgingly, yes. So you know the deal. You know... The lines, the security, get yeah. your tickets. What's the deal? <laughs> you know, you know what it's like having to sit on a plane. And uh, let me ask you something. And not to be like morbid or anything, but when you guys fly, is it the? I mean, for me, I feel like every single time I fly, it just it goes through my mind. I can't help it. What if this plane crashes? I'm literally thinking that the entire flight because I hate to fly. Oh, God. Isn't it sometimes like if if you don't push it out of your brain, it can be the most anxiety like producing feeling to know you have zero control and you are willingly putting yourself in this predicament. You know what I mean? Dude, that's why I drive everywhere, man. <laughs> Seriously, that I'm not joking. Like, that's why I drive everywhere, because getting on a plane, I literally have to be drunk to get on the flight. Oh, man. How much? How often have you guys flown? Like how much? Uh, think? Very little, but yeah. I did not enjoy my experience. Yeah. I I hate heights to start with, so that's not a good combination for me. But agreed. I had a job once where uh, every once in a while I had to get to places, and that required doing just that. So I would, as uh, Carter would say, begrudgingly <laughs> get on board. And but I got to a point though where I could. Once I got on the plane, and this was really strange. If I got near the window, I was actually way more calm, and I don't know why. I would think they would make it worse because I really honestly can't stand heights. I don't like them at all. Yeah. But for whatever reason, it calmed me because I could look out across and see some amazing sights, I guess, and I try to take my mind off of the fact that I was uh, naturally 10,000 feet above the, the ground. Now, when you guys fly day or night, what was it? Day. Daylight. Usually day. You yeah. ever fly at night? You ever see what it feels? What it feels like to fly at night, looking out of the dark windows and the lights underground uh, uh, on the ground below. Oh yeah. Well, early early morning once. And that's kind of when I saw that. I yeah. took a red eye from uh, uh, Charlotte to Vegas once. So yeah, here we go. We're gonna we're gonna get it. Get your mind into the inside of the airplane. We're I'm gonna take you here, okay? But we're in a different country. We are in uh, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. It's March 8th, 2014. It's about 12.30 a.m. There are 227 passengers on board, 12 crewmen, a pilot, and a Uh, co-pilot. Not crewmen, 12 crew. I mean, I'm I'm sure many of them were female as well. Uh, So there's 12 crew all together on this flight. The plane that's sitting at at the gate is a... um, let me see where is it. I wrote it here. A Boeing seven 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 two hundred ER. Now this is at the time is considered to be one of the safest planes 
uh, because they, you know, they've been adding more and more safety features to planes. And at the time, this Boeing 777 was considered uh, one of the more safer planes to fly on. So it's sitting at the gate. Everyone's getting ready. And you guys know what it's like to sit in a plane. In the seats, you know, they're, they're turning the cabin lights low. People are, are, you know, maybe getting ready to maybe fall asleep because it's going to be a long flight. This flight is going from Malaysia to Beijing, China. Okay. So at about 12:40 a.m. Uh, I have a quick question. Yeah, for, sorry on. to interrupt you. No, go ahead. How long of a how long of a flight would that be normally? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't know. I'm not sure how long that's supposed to be. I should have looked that up. I didn't see. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google it and see if I can find yeah, out why you're going. You look that up. Well, I'll, let me tell you a couple things about this flight. So, like I said, 227 passengers are on board. 12 crew. Uh, the pilot is a guy by the name of Zahari Ahmad Shah. He's 53 years old. Uh, he's a seasoned pilot. Has been, you know, flying for for years. Has over, I believe he said 18. They said 18,000 uh, hours of flight time under his belt. His co-pilot is a 27-year-old Fariq Abdul Hamid. Now, this night is his last night of training. He's logged a little bit over uh, almost 3,000 miles of flight time, and tonight's going to be his last night of training. So as the plane's sitting there and it's backing out of the, out of the, you know, the gate and it's getting ready to taxi onto the runway, um, everyone is just doing what they normally do pre-flight as it's getting ready to take off. They're calling over the intercom to make sure your, you know, your seats are up and your seatbelt's buckled. The lights are off. They want you to know, you know, we're about to take off here any moment now. Pilot's checking his stuff. Co-pilot's checking his instruments. They're talking back and forth to the tower, and they're cleared for takeoff. Did you find that, Johnny, how long that takes? It takes anywhere from six and a half hours to nine hours, uh, depending on where in China you're going. Okay, so you do so. There, knowing that, roughly six and a half, even let's say seven to eight hours, the the plane's going to have enough fuel to make it to China. That's the destination, Beijing, China. Okay, this is another thing to keep in mind: is how much fuel is on this plane as well. It's twelve forty a.m. They're taxiing. They're getting ready to take off. They're cleared for takeoff. Twelve forty a.m. Shortly after takeoff, the pilots are told by the airport air traffic control to switch over to Lumpur radar air traffic control. Uh, which they they do. They know this because there's there's a lot of there's recordings that they still have from the pilots, co-pilots to the air towers and stuff while they're checking and and, and doing these little you know calls back and forth. Um, it, it's standard protocol with the things that they check and say back and forth. So uh, he's they're told to switch over to the air traffic radar. The planes in the air. Uh, um, um, like seconds after they're told that. Uh, the air the the airport sees them come right off the, the 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 radar. They're no longer on the airport radar, and they pop right up on the Lumpur radar. Okay. A few minutes later, the pilots are told to climb to thirty five thousand feet, which is cruising altitude. Everything's a go ahead. So the pilots, you know, pull the plane up higher. It's cruising altitude, thirty five thousand feet. Everything's going smooth. Nothing nothing out of the ordinary. At around 1.19 a.m., now you're talking about a half hour later, Lumpur Radar tells them they're going to be transferring the tracking of the airplane to Ho Chi Minh Area Control Center because the plane's getting ready to leave Malaysian airspace. Uh, the pilots call in and, agree, and say goodnight to Lumpur Radar and agree to the switchover. Minutes later, the 370 disappears from the Lumpur Radar screens. A minute after that, it also disappears from the Ho Chi Minh Radar. 
the the plane has literally disappeared now. No one has it on any radar at all. And at that exact moment, the transponder on the plane stopped working or it was shut off. Now, do you guys know what the transponder is? Yeah, that's and that's you have to you have to physically disable that. Yeah, that's it's basically this box that sits in the cockpit uh, between the pilot and co-pilot that sends off this ding. So when the radar is is like swooping out, you know, sending out the bands to to pick up what's out there, this thing it it hits the transponder and the transponder sends the information back to the tower so you know that this is the plane and this is where that plane is. Uh, so the transponder turns off. So three things happen in that very moment. They disappear from the from both radars. The transponder turns off, and at that exact same moment, as it's starting to as they're disappearing, um, they they do show up on military radar, and the military re- radar shows that they be, the plane then begins to slightly veer right out of nowhere. Just begins to veer right. So these things happen at once. They disappear from radar, transponder turns off, and the plane starts turning right. Um, they're not seen on any of the civilian radars. The only people that can see them right now is the military. Um, and this only came out after the investigation. After all the stuff went down, it came out that the military was still able to track them. The problem was that all these different countries like Indonesia, uh, Vietnam, all these countries didn't want to give up that information. They didn't want the world stage to know what kind of tracking powers they had. You know what I mean? So they were very, it was very reluctant that they gave this stuff up. But when they did, it was found out that even after... Um, the plane had disappeared. Uh, the radar, the, the military could still tra- uh, different militaries could still track this plane on radar. That's how we know so much more of what happened to this plane after it disappeared from these airport radars. So moving forward now, all of this stuff comes from uh, information that was gathered after the investigation. Because as far as they were concerned, it disappeared from radar, and that was it. It was supposed to arrive, I think, at like 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock in the morning in, in China. It never arrived, and they were like delaying, saying what was happening. They said the flight was delayed, and then they like no one knew what was going on at all. Uh, all the rest of the information I'm about to give you came out after the fact, after all the investigation had gone down. So this plane disappears. No one knows what's happened to it. Um, military's not watching it. They just can track it. So they, we know that it, it starts veering to the right, okay? Um, and when it's going to the right now, it's heading in a southwest direction by doing so. Uh, at around 1.30 a.m., you're talking now roughly almost a full hour after takeoff. Uh, at the request of Vietnamese air traffic controllers, the captain of another aircraft in the area attempts to contact Flight 370 using the international distress frequency. The connection is made, but all the captain could say uh, here was, quote, mumbling and static. That's all he heard. And then the connection broke off. Uh, military radar continues to pick up the plane as it flies by over the uh, Malay Peninsula. Its altitude is now fluctuating between, fluctuating between 33,000 and 31,000 feet in the air. Um, now it's below the cruising altitude of 35 where it had started. Between 1.30 a.m. and 1.52 a.m., a civilian primary radar does pick up um, a plane uh, at the Sult- uh, Sultan Ismail Petra Airport in Kota Baru, Malaysia. It picks up an aircraft four different times during this time, and it's highly believed to have been Flight 370 because it would match the path it would have been on after it had veered right uh, at the last time it uh, the last time it was known to, work, to be where it was. Um, let me see what happens next. 
Minutes later, it is detected passing south of Penang Island. 300 and, uh, 370 then makes another slight right heading northwest. So, like, this thing is moving around. It's not crashing. It's not, you know what I mean? It's, it's not like it's having issues and it's trying to find a place to land. This thing is still flying an hour, you know, after takeoff, a half hour after losing contact with everyone, and it's making turns. At around 2.03 a.m., it passes close to Perak Island. Uh, 20 minutes later, it is picked up just northwest of Penang Airport um, at 29,500 feet. Now, let me just let you guys know, during this whole time, what, what else is happening is it's making these connections to a satellite out in space. There's this satellite run by this company called um, Inmaret, Inmarsat, sorry, Inmarsat. And the whole idea with these planes and the way the satellite communication goes is every hour a plane will send out information to this satellite company and it's relayed to a ground station where it's recorded. And the information is stuff like how much fuel is left on the plane, whether or not there's any engine troubles, computer troubles, any of that stuff, okay? And the way it works is it sends the information, uh, it sends a login request. The login request is is accepted and then the the, the connection is made. It's called a handshake. And when the handshake is made, the information is dumped. Um, so at, I wanted to let you guys know that because in a little bit, that comes into play big time. So as after it's being uh, you know, picked up out right off of Penang Airport at 29,000 uh, feet, it makes another left turn and starts heading south. Now it's heading straight in towards the Indian Ocean, right out over the Indian Ocean. There's no land out here, okay? Um, at 225... The plane's satellite communication system makes a login request to Inmarsat, the British satellite. So 2.25 a.m., it's no longer on military radar, but it is known that it is making these these connections, right? Um, the handshake, it, it, the Inmarsat responds, it's, it, it, the handshake is made. Um, at 2.39, Inmarsat uh, makes a ground-to-aircraft call to the cockpit. So they know that there's, there's something wrong with this plane. They see the login came in. So now the ground station says, let's see if we can contact them. They call the cockpit. There's no answer. The plane's still flying. 3.41 a.m., another ground-to-station handshake, and it makes, it, it makes the connection. The ground is now sending connections to see if they can't make that connection with the plane, right? And it's working. The connection's still being made. That means the plane is moving. They can see that it's still flying. It's still covering ground. 4.41 a.m., again, same thing. An hour later, 5.41, again, same thing. An hour later, 6.41, same thing. You see what I'm saying? Six hours after it took off, it's still making these connections to the satellite communications. Nothing else. No other, no distress calls, no phone calls, nothing. This plane is flying like a ghost plane. At 7.13 a.m., Inmarsat makes a second ground-to-air call. Again, there's no answer. At 8.10 a.m., another handshake is made from ground to air. Connection is made. Here comes the weird one. You ready for this one? Nine minutes later, at 8.19 a.m., there's another ping, but this time it's aircraft initiated. The ping went out from the aircraft, uh, and it was incomplete. And then that's the last known transmission. From there forward, no one knows what happened to the plane. There's a lot of theory, but... Malaysia 370 disappears off the face of the earth. Hmm. Right, my question is, during all this, 
is because from the sounds of it, just from what I just heard you say, it sounds like it's almost just constantly flying, but not in a not to a certain destination anymore. Right. Well, first it seemed like it was changing patterns and looking to head towards Europe, and then the the last turns it made just made it turn out and head out to the Indian Ocean, and then that was it, straight right. out into the waters. Yeah. So that makes no sense to me. It makes me wonder. I mean, I'm sure I'm not the first one to question this. Like, hey, what the heck's going on here? Yeah, so there's a whole lot of things that go on here. So like I said before, uh, the next morning, I mean, everyone, you know, the 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 airport, both airports, they, they all know something's wrong. They can't. They've not been able to get a hold of this plane for hours and hours and hours. People waiting in China for loved ones to come home aren't told anything. They're just so all they see on the board is that the plane is delayed an hour. An hour goes by from when they're supposed to be uh, arriving and all these officials start like gathering all these people up to put them in in vans and buses to take them to a nearby hotel because that's where they break the news that they don't know where the plane is. They they they're letting them know that there wasn't a plane crash that they've put out, you know, people have been flying out there looking for wreckage and nothing's been found, but they have no clue where this plane is. And people were getting pissed. There's like obviously they're upset, thinking there could be you know dead relatives and friends. Uh, but there's a lot of people that were pissed because they were just like, "What's going on? What's with this?" You know, it felt like there was all this cover up going on. And at the very beginning of all this, like the days that after this happened, so much stuff was withheld. Like stuff didn't come out. Um, you know, Pete, the government wasn't saying too much. So conspiracy theories went crazy. And obviously, the first things you're gonna hear are like. Oh, a UFO got him. You know what I mean? Or it was like the, a, a new Bermuda Triangle, you know, out over the Asian oceans. Um, but I don't know. What do you guys? Let me give you a couple other things to this, and I want to know what you guys think. Uh, one of the things that came out was there was investigations that went into the psychology and any issues going on with anybody that were in the crew, the pilots, the crew, uh, and all the passengers. Their lives were investigated. Things were looked into to see was anyone having, you know problems uh were was anyone tied to terrorist groups because that's what another thing was people were thinking it was a terrorist thing a hijacking a terrorist attack um all of these investigations yielded nothing except for just a couple of things one of the weird things was is that the uh the, the pilot um the older guy pilot shah he originally apparently the day he flew like that very day right before he went to work his wife left him Oh, yeah. So that's not good. They, now, nobody said, in, you know, from the things that were reported when they saw him at work, when they saw him getting ready to get on the plane, all that, there was no, no you know, sign of distress, nothing that was weird that stood out of place for anyone to think there was something wrong with him. There's actual uh, security footage also of, of everybody boarding the plane. And you see him, you see the co-pilot, and they look normal. It doesn't look like there's anything wrong. It's just, they're just going through security. Um, so that was one of the things that came up. One of the other things that came up um, also was that they believed – remember when I told you at the very end there when the next handshake that was initiated was actually initiated by the plane? They believed, right. they believed the reason for that was because by now, by 8.19 in the morning, um, it's running out of fuel. And when that's happening – the electrical system in the plane shuts off and restarts again for some reason. And on the restart, it's it's believed that the satellite communication system was that that's what was happening. Is that it was just restarting. It wasn't actually sending a request for connection. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. the idea is that it may have run out of gas out there, run out of fuel, and just crashed into the ocean. Um, the question though is is when you have a plane that big, um, 
if it hits the ocean, if it goes straight down for any reason, and we're talking about crashing, we're not talking about landing Sully style. You know what I mean? When Sully hit the the geese out in New York City and landed in the the Hudson River, like yeah. he literally landed that plane and glided it in and set it down so it was floating. You know what I mean? If that plane's going down with no pilots, it's going down and crashing and breaking and leaving all kinds of debris in the ocean. Uh, nothing was seen. Pete, they went out for, and we're talking. Um, within days of it happening, carrying on for the next couple of years, searching those ocean waters, not finding any wreckage sites. When you're and you were saying there were there were people out there before they, uh, quote unquote, lost contact with it. I mean, in, in the sense of when these handshakes were going on, but yeah. they were they were already looking for the plane before these handshakes. They were already stopped. sending, yeah, they were sending people out uh, to start covering the path to see if there was any wreckage uh, below because they thought maybe it had gone down. This once it went off radar, uh, within out within like an hour, they were sending out flight crews to see if there and it had gone down anywhere. Yeah, there's also a theory. There's uh, I guess on one of the islands that's out there, it was reported that many people saw this plane flying overhead. Uh, and then minutes later, um, what looked like U.S. fighter jets flying after it, like, in you know, in pursuit, because um, there's this theory that people thought that uh, it was a terrorist attack and that the U.S. government scrambled fighter jets off of out of India or something like that to shoot it down. There's another theory that says that these people were the plane was hijacked and somebody flew it out to Afghanistan, I think is where it's at. And these people are ke- all kept as prisoners as as uh, for ransom, some future ransom. Um, the last other bit of thing that comes with this case that's really weird is that there was two people on this flight, two guys from Iran who were using stolen passports. And a lot of people thought maybe it was a terrorist thing because of that. Uh, but then it came out later in the investigations that these guys were seeking political asylum. So that it, it wasn't it wasn't a terrorist thing. They think these guys stole the passports to not have to return to Iran. And so they were trying to get somewhere in, in I think they were going to France or something like that. I can't remember. Germany. But so much with this thing doesn't make sense. Like, like I don't know. Don't you think you would have found wreckage? In, and I'm not saying like, duh, you should have found it. It's uh, it's only the Indian Ocean. One of the things I saw was like the in the Indian Ocean, the amount of space that they were trying to fly around and find the wreckage is almost the size of the United States, the entire country. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is nothing new, but the ocean's quite large. Yeah. Now, I one yeah. lady one lady said something like, "There's parts of the ocean that are still uncharted." Does that mean the ocean floor or like the ocean? Like we don't know even if there's an like we might come across an island and be like, oh, we've never been out here, so of course. Do you yeah, guys? That like, means, do you guys know that means an island? Jesus, or it sounds like it means. An How island is it to that me. we don't have it? It's charted. lost, man. It's well, lost. No, 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 no. Check it. Okay, so there have been islands that have charted that have been charted that people have gone back to, and the island's not there. Yeah, we talked Jack, about that. I mean, yeah, we may have covered. Yeah, we, I was gonna say we may have covered that. At yeah, some we point. covered that. So, so if so that's I, true, the reverse is probably also true. No, 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 no. Jack, I'm saying I Jack, get. We gotta go back, Jack. I get that. I get that happening, or I get islands forming because of volcanic volcanic uh, eruptions. I'm talking about when she says that there's parts of the ocean that are still uncharted in terms of like. Satellite imagery, if we were to take the pictures out of that, we're just seeing gray because we really don't know what it looks like there yet. Do you see what I'm saying? Don't we have an entire image of the entire planet because of satellites? 
Well, I I always assume that there's. I mean, there's no way uh, we're going to know everything that's a in the ocean and b about the ocean because what isn't the? Uh, I think they say the Earth is seventy percent ocean. Is that correct? Something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's monstrous. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I guarantee there's still like uh, even islands even that we don't know about that are out there. And I was making the lost joke, you know, from a TV show Lost. But that's really the feelings that this has given to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's very crazy. And here's the thing. Now, now uh, it's not like wreckage was never found. Uh, washing up onto the, the coast of Africa and Madagascar uh, since 2014, over the past few years, up to 20 pieces of different debris have been found that could be tied to um, – the model plane that the, the Boeing 777. Uh, I don't think that they've had anything that's conclusive enough to say this is this is from it, or to say that uh, look at the way this piece looks. You can tell it was broken. Do you know what I mean? Like the pieces that are washing up also don't line up to being coming from a, a, a broken uh, plane. Does that make sense? Yeah, you're saying the wreckage isn't definitive. Basically, Correct. it could be from it could be from a. a- Another crash with a similar plane. Correct. Say, so, I mean, and, and it went all the way up until 2016, where even like November of 2016, families of the victims were like traveling to Madagascar to search for debris on the beaches to see if they could find anything that tied to where, what could have happened to their loved ones. All right. So check this out. I saw this movie once. Uh, called Flight 7500, and spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't seen that friggin' movie. Uh, so they go, there, you know, they do this whole thing, and they're on this plane, and there's a supernatural entity, and it's coming after everybody, and one by one, the passengers are taken away. The whole twist ending is that they've all been dead the whole time, and oh. that there was a slow leak in the plane on a on like a red eye flight where everybody was asleep, and they were going across an ocean. And at the end of the movie, the plane basically crashes into the ocean because everyone has suffocated from lack of oxygen yeah. on the plane. But it was such a slow leak that none of the, uh, you know, the the masks or whatever dropped. Yeah. And since it was a nighttime flight, everyone was asleep. Hmm. Now the problem with the problem with that theory is that it doesn't explain the mumbling over the. Uh, over the uh, the call that you were mentioning, no. because if I'm to understand what you were saying, the call has to be answered. Yeah, they answered. somebody in there to, to physically answer this call. They did answer, and all that came through was static and mumbling. So that kind of shoots my theory out the window for that. But let me throw one more thing at you. Remember the guy that I told the pilot that I told you his wife left him the day before. Yeah, I wanted to tell you this also that the more uh, media uh, or the investigation went in. And it was reported in the media that, uh, and it's and it's not out of out of out of uh, the norm that a pilot would have a home flight simulator. Um, the captain had a home flight simulator, but the the Malaysian government said that there was nothing sinister that was found on it. There was nothing at all. You know, it, was, it wasn't like uh, he he actually set up whatever. But apparently, there was leaked American documents that stated that there was a route on the pilot's home flight simulator that closely matched the projected flight over the Indian Ocean that was found uh, during the FBI analysis of the hard drive. That's that's creepy. One well, of, what would what would the Malaysian government benefit from? Uh, if if that's true, 
What would uh, they benefit from holding that back? I would think it would look bad. To to have, I would think it would look bad to have one of the pilots of your country committing suicide and killing all these other people along with them. You know what I mean? There's some sort of kind of liability or or uh, blame that falls on you. I think it would just fall on that pilot, though, wouldn't it? I mean, it's. Uh, I think I on mean, the world, but when you're talking on a world stage with with countries involved and governments, you you know how touchy stuff like that can be. I don't know. That feels like well, a stretch to me. It's the same reason of like what Chris was saying. If 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 American fighter planes did shoot it down mm-hmm. because they thought it was some kind of terrorist uh, hijacking or something, they wouldn't come out and tell you that. They wouldn't tell. They would. They would. They would totally cover that up. Because like you just said, there's too many governments involved. There's too many. There's too much liability. There's too much uh, uh, blowback. There's another. You know, you're talking. You're, you're literally talking about an international incident. Yeah, for sure. There's also uh, an idea that the uh, that it was hijacked, but not like by people on on the actual plane. They were saying that there's we've entered an age now where hijacking a plane through through electronic devices now is not out of the question. And there's a there's True. a theory that this may have happened because of of holes in in like security features in the computers of some of these Boeing's. Well, I mean that's. We've all read those stories recently about how they can hack the cars and stuff. You know, we've even read the stories about how they can hack your sex robot and have it kill you. So I don't oh, think man. it's completely out of the question. What a way to go. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't think it's completely out of the question that that could have happened. And make and a sweet it, love to my robot. Just right. Killed by it. You know? Right. There you go. Good way to go. <laughs> um, and if that did happen, it wouldn't be a government doing it. It would be some kind of rogue hacker or rogue hackers, you know, straight black hat type dudes. Now I was going to ask you this, Chris, did any, cause you know, a lot of times when there is something that could be a terrorist attack, a lot of terrorist groups will try to state claim that, yeah, it was, and we did it kind of thing. Did any of them ever do that? Nope. See, that's what's kind of strange to me because I didn't think they did either. Uh, and if that was what it was, they're they want that attention. They want it to be them. Yep. Hmm. So that's why I never put a lot of stock into that theory. Uh, I think personally, what I've always thought is that <clears throat> just as, just how it sounds to me, they were having all kinds of communication problems on that plane, and um, and then they just they just got lost or maybe because don't they have like navigational tools and stuff on there too i would assume yeah right they had some kind of really bad malfunction on there and they just got lost and went down somewhere what about um how oh the other thing i was asking you real quick chris while i'm thinking about it how did you ever say how much experience that the the pilots had i don't remember yeah the the main pilot had over over eighteen thousand mile uh eighteen thousand flight hours uh, so he's very seasoned f- f- uh, pilot, and the yeah. co-pilot was on. It was his last night of training. He had had a, close to three thousand hours. Oh, okay. Hmm. Can you imagine that too? Like it's your last night of training, and that's what happens. Now, oh, man. one thing I didn't see thrown out there, but I I kind of want to throw it out there myself. We've covered it in the past in episodes, but what if it was like a parallel universe time slip kind of a thing, where they just kind of. Sh- slipped through a, hole, a wormhole into and that's why we were still picking up their bings and all that stuff but we're trying to talk to them and the communication was bad you couldn't really hear them and that's that's the lost thing man that's what i'm trying to tell you <laughs> exactly um <laughs> yeah so so your thing what was your thought johnny you thought there was uh it was just a uh, pilot errors and, and and problems and they just went down in the ocean 
to me, it's what I mean. Obviously, I don't know everything about airplanes and stuff, and I'm not going to pretend like I do know. But uh, it, to me, it sounds like they were having all kinds of electronical problems. Electronical was the word I'm going to choose to use that doesn't exist, but <laughs> uh, problems on that plane, everything from communication to uh, navigation. And they got lost and they ran out of gas because you because you did say that they think the reason that that last ping or whatever happened yeah. because the plane was running out of gas. Yep. So they ran out of gas and cr- and crashed into the ocean, but we don't really know where exactly. And the ocean is honestly so large that it, it would it's literally looking for a needle in a haystack. I would assume. Oh, type of yeah. deal. I couldn't even imagine having to try to find that because, like, yeah, that's the thing. You look at it and you see the ocean. You think, oh, you should be able to see it, but when you realize uh, from the air, when you're looking down at the ocean, the size of the the plane that you're looking for is basically a speck. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's almost impossible. Um, well, that and and you've got to think, you know, just because it's four years later now, just because you you locate exactly where it went down, doesn't mean it's still going to be there. Yeah. Right true the thing it's crazy dude the amount of time and and money spent uh looking for this thing was the most expensive ever in history for a rescue effort in history um over 4.6 i'm sorry 1.8 i was going to say kilometers but 1.8 square uh, million square miles uh was our was looked they they searched using sonar uh sonar detection things for the seafloor airplanes, boats, submarines, all kinds of things looking for the for for any kind of wreckage. Nothing was found. Um, all the way now so that happened in 2014 and we're talking about days after it happened, it kicked off and it went all the way to January 2017 when the uh, this official search was suspended because they just haven't found anything and they started to find pieces of the, the debris. They just assumed it did go down that they found their answer. Um, but this is kind of a current creep because in January of this year, 2018, last month, a private U- U.S. company called Ocean Infinity announced that it's going to resume the search uh, in a narrowed section of, uh, of the ocean that they kind of figured out this could be where it crashed after that last ping. Uh, the attempt was approved by the Malaysian government provided that payment would be made only if the wreckage is found. So I believe they're they're up to they, they may be getting something like 70 million dollars or something like that, but they'll only get that money if they find the wreckage of the plane. So now there's yeah. this this new company going out there uh, last month, I believe January 21st, it had just reached the search zone. So it's currently searching. Who knows? In the next couple of days we might have an update on this and it'll be the next current creep. But so far what happened to Malaysia 370 is still a mystery. No one has a clue. So, Johnny, you think it went down. What did you say, Carter? What did you think? I mean, I, I guess I think it went down. You know, there, there's the believer in me wants to think it was snatched up by a UFO. <laughs> I was going to say, I know you're I, there's say really, UFO, there's man. really no evidence whatsoever for that. Even, even stretching uh, some of the things that you said, there's still absolutely no evidence for that. So, as much as I hate to think about, you know, almost 240 people going into the ocean like that, I think that's probably what happened. Yeah, there's there was uh, all kinds of people like who claimed to have seen it uh, with their with their eyes uh, on the day and, and morning of that stuff happening. Um, but nothing, you know, nothing conclusive. Nothing is said. One guy, it was a fisherman um, who said that he saw a burning object in the sky that morning. Um, and, and, you know, and people thought maybe the plane was actually on fire. 
there's all kinds of theories. Nobody has uh, has a, a, a an idea yet until we find something for sure. And when we find well, something, what you said is true. Nothing makes sense. If it was on fire, why wasn't there a distress signal? Something, right? Saying, and that's the thing. We'll just know? have to wait until it's found. Then we can get into the black boxes and see what's said and what's happened on the flight. But until then, well, and you, didn't didn't they announce that too? What that the uh, the black box didn't send out a, it, its own ping. Well, the thing is, is it can it can send it out for but it, up to I believe thirty days, and because they had no clue, and and I think it's thirty days and up to five miles or something like that. So yeah, they had yeah, no clue where to it, search. Got to have it narrowed down. Yeah, yeah. they literally spent y- years searching for it. So after the first thirty days, done. There's no possible way of finding it just from a black box ping, which sucks. But yeah, so it's still a mystery. Uh, I'm with you guys. I think it was it was one of these things where it went down over the ocean. Like I think that's what happened. Now, why did it happen? Man, I couldn't tell you. It does kind of yeah. sound weird with this pilot having the issues with his wife. Um, the the weird thing found on his his uh you know simulator at home, and it's not the first time that a a, a pilot has committed suicide. You know, using the plane and the people on, and bringing the people on him on it with them. right yeah um I, I i really i really honestly this is just for me it would be heartbreaking for the families i mean i uh, i mean this is a pretty recent thing and you know like how tough it is not to have closure on small things i mean let alone something this as a uh, as a loved one disappearing in the thin air so to speak i mean that's got to be beyond hard to deal with god can you well, and imagine? then you're not even factoring in the anger of it you know if, the, oh, if yeah. this pilot flew the plane out there it's like i don't mean to sound callous guys or sound like a, a dick but if you want if you want to kill yourself because you're that depressed yeah use a gun hang yourself don't don't take 200 plus people with you that's just a real dick thing to do yeah that's the thing i was going to say like how fucked up would it be if they find the wreckage and on the black box you hear some sort of struggle or craziness where he kills the co-pilot and then the entire time for the next seven hours is just him talking about crazy shit about why he's going to do it. And you know what I'm saying? Like, wouldn't that mean? Yeah. Like, and then like, had it like, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's going to be, it will be crazy, man. It'll be crazy if they find this stuff to hear what's on that black box. But that's, the, but that's the thing about this whole, this whole thing, this whole case, even that we, that we know so little because we haven't found anything that we can make all kinds of yeah. of of guesses at what happened, everything from it being the pilot to uh to just getting lost and running out of gas to to another I mean, even something as some would say outlandish as like there's another triangle out there. Who knows? Yeah. But I mean, we just don't know anything and that's why it's it's I mean it's obviously it's heartbreaking because people are gone. And they were real people. How many people did you say were on that flight? Two, I know it was a lot. 227, 224. Yeah, it's like the crew. Yeah, 227 plus crew. So you're looking at 239. So so over 200 people just vanished or just gone. Yeah. I mean, they just 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 left. We and, don't know where they are, or what happened to them. And no 100%. answer. And, and, yeah, the and stuff there's we, no answers. And the stuff we do know doesn't make sense. Like it yeah, just it doesn't, doesn't add up. like the turns just don't make sense. It's, it, you're it, missing. Like, yeah, you're missing too many pieces of this. Puzzle. Because if he wanted to kill himself, like, like bear with me here, wouldn't he just have turned off the transponder in that moment, disappeared from radar and then go straight for the ocean? Then what was the point in all those turns and flying for hours and hours? Why not just blast it straight into the ocean? You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It's strange, man. It's really crazy. And, and I don't know. I really don't know. 
We'll and never I think know. Johnny's. I think Johnny's right too. If it was a terrorist attack, somebody would have. T- somebody would have tried to take credit for it. Oh, I mean, they you take know? credit. They take credit for things even when they had nothing to do with it. Yeah, because yeah. because they want that credit. Yeah, and no it was almost like one. like all the terrorist groups this time were like, no, we're not touching that shit. Man. It's too weird. We're not touching that one. Yeah, they're too. Uh, they're they're too. Uh, what do you call it? Superstitious. They're not messing with that one. Yeah. I don't know, no, man. I mean, it's it's another one. It's another mystery in history. <laughs> Wrong well, show. I like how you did that. <laughs> but yeah, it is. It's it's crazy. <laughs> it's one of those things, I guess. And it's now considered the biggest mystery in aviation history. It has surpassed Amelia Earhart's disappearance now as being considered the biggest mystery. Um, I don't know. We'll see, right? I, I hope at some point there'll be some closure to the story. I hope it doesn't go on for decades and decades like Amelia Earhart with no answer for anyone. I hope just for the families, yeah. Even if it was something as simple as they just got lost and went down. Just so the families have something, some sort of closure. And you almost hope that it's that simple. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's easier it's easy it's almost easier to accept that and be less angry. I mean, you'd still be angry, but be less angry about it than, say, for instance, if the pilot did all that stuff. Because then, I mean, that's just beyond selfish, even. What would be the person. What would be the creepiest scenario for you guys on this UFO? For you, the UFO. The well, UFO, yeah. or tr- or what Johnny said, another triangle out there. What if, like, after years of being missing, all of a sudden it lands at an airport and there's no one on it? Oh, <laughs> like the oh. uh, Aaron was telling me earlier about she read uh, Guillermo del Toro's the book, The Strain. And I guess that's how it opens is this plane lands at an airport. And then like when it's time to deboard, there's no one on the plane. Yep. Yeah. I feel like I, I feel like I can't remember what the movie was, but it was a big movie. I can't believe I'm liking on the film. Close but Encounters. Like, but is that the one where there's a scene where they find the ships out in the middle of the desert? Yep, they find the ships out in the middle of the desert. They find uh, they find fi- flight. What's the one we covered? Flight forty nine. Yeah. About the guy, the the Navy flight over the uh, Bermuda Triangle. Th- yeah. Those show back up. Yeah. Uh, and then they That's... release all the people at the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So something like that would really, <laughs> well, I'd be a way to to let everybody know the aliens exist, wouldn't it? Some right. Wonder if Tom yeah. DeLonge has anything to say about this case. He probably does. He knows anything. <laughs> Yep. It always comes back to that guy, man. <laughs> He's going to yep. be, dude, we got to get him on the show. I want to get Tom DeLong on the show. That's not a joke. I want to get him on the show. I think Let's it'd be get amazing. Mr. Blink 182 on. For sure. All right, guys. So and then that's, you get him on the show, I'm just going to be over here being like, all the small things. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So that's uh, that's our case for the for the week for history creeps. The Malaysia, the disappearance of Malaysia Flight Three Seventy. Uh, what do you guys think happened to it? Go ahead and comment under this on our Facebook post if you'd like. Let us know what you guys think happened to it. Uh, if this is something you're interested in, also in the comments, let us know if you're interested in that whole Patreon thing. If that's cool, uh, and if so, go ahead and sign up. Uh, do you guys want anything uh, promote anything before we close the show out tonight? No, we're not doing that anymore. So no. Just want to make sure, Carter. You have a new book, don't you? <laughs> I do. I have a new book. It's on uh, Amazon. It's called Nightfall. Um, it's two. It's a two-volume set. Uh, book one is called Out of the Fire, and book two is called In for the Kill. Is these uh, vampire okay. stories? Uh, actually, it is about um, 
You guys are going to like this, actually. Uh, it's about an army vet who comes home for the funeral of his brother who supposedly killed himself. Uh, but it turns out that a pack of werewolves at the younger brother's high school uh, were responsible for his death. Nice. Oh, did you, I hope you didn't just give away your spool, your little twist ending there. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. The twist is, is they're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> It's M. Night, it's M. Night Johnson over there. It's on. Twist ending. So it's on, it's on Amazon. What's it called again? Nightfall? Nightfall. Look for it, guys. There you go. Um, at some point, maybe maybe we'll do a thing where, where creepers uh, get a percentage off, you know, if they put in a certain code. That'd be kind of cool to give our, our, that'd be our, sweet. Yeah. our listeners some perks. Uh, Heck, one of, the, one of our, one of our uh, special uh, recorded audio they can only get through Patreon might be us uh, acting out passages from his books oh that'd be great it's gonna be great let's let's not don't pick the sex scene johnny okay please don't pick this <laughs> you don't tell me what to do sir <laughs> that would just be awkward man <laughs> i do what i want oh man all right guys again thanks so much for listening that's been another episode of history creeps what happened to flight 370 malaysia air uh once again for johnny townsend and carter johnson this is chris chavez thanks so much for listening and joining us find us on facebook history creeps podcast follow along join us patreon join the creepers club we'll see you guys next time stay creepy